0: Welcome, everybody. Hey. Hi. Um, do you want to eat your snack first?
1: No, it's okay. I can still talk.
0: All right. Fantastic. Um, welcome to my We are now uh, in the new year, In the new year. It's not the new year. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> tomorrow will be the new year. But take um, that back. Take it, but maybe when you listen to it, it is the new year. So. In, happy, and almost the new year or the new year. Happy new almost year.
1: so you can still say that whole joke of see you next year all day today congratulations
0: but also please don't because i don't (laughs) want to be friends with you if you do
1: and then unless you're a dad and then you have the past forever congratulations oh gosh (laughs) why are there no mom jokes why do dads get the best jokes um fucking misogynist (laughs) (laughs) okay sorry i (laughs) feel a little spicy today apparently is
0: that chocolate really heating you up Oh yeah, that's great. Oh,
1: for those who don't know, I'm eating some molasses chips from Seas Candy. Apparently seas Candy is my life lately.
0: I'm still surprised you have seas Candy left, to be honest.
1: Well, listen, I bought myself a little box of assortment ones that I picked out and I got through those like last week. And then for the fam, I bought these molasses chips, but apparently I'm the only one who likes them. Go me. So I've been slowly working through them and I just wanted a little snick snack for this episode. Are you
0: sure you didn't so know that your family didn't like them? <laughs> and that's why you bought them for your family so
1: what had happened was <laughs> so i also bought peppermint patties and i don't like peppermint i things.
0: love peppermint patties okay continue <laughs> i mean
1: i like i like peppermint candles mm-hmm. but eating peppermint is not my favorite thing and my husband and stepdaughter love peppermint so it worked out they're eating that and i'm eating these but anyway hi everyone
0: you didn't tell your husband of all the seized candy that you snuck for yourself though did you
1: (laughs) oh yeah i told him i share i'm I'm a nice kid
0: (laughs) you may not share the candy but you share your thoughts and that's enough (laughs) (laughs) yeah so yeah hi yeah welcome it's gonna be an interesting week so i have a little bit of a very quick mini story to tell as well as the case that i researched for this week
1: a double whammy a little double
0: whammy so we're in for we're in for a little bit more than usual. So I'm going to get started right away. Warning, this episode may contain discussions that are not suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. So the first thing I kind of want to talk about, and I don't have too much written up for this. This is kind of coming from my own experience. So I just wanted to tell the story more so. Okay. I grew up. I grew up. Congratulations, you did it. (laughs) For most of my high school, I went to boarding school. I wanted a summer program after my freshman year of high school, but my academics weren't that great. And my parents found a place that did half academics, half wilderness program where you go out and camp and do all that kind of stuff. And I got sent there. I ended up getting invited to go to the school for the school year, and I loved it so much. I begged my parents to go and they allowed me to go Um, for reason of my own kind of safety and stuff like that i'm not going to mention the name of the school right i'm sure people put details together they can end up figuring it out but i'm just you know work for it please don't work for it Yeah. so this school ended up being i don't know if you have ever heard of something called the troubled teen industry but there are kind of these lists of boarding schools where people would send their kids when they don't know what to do with them
1: is that where dr phil sent bad baby
0: I don't think so. I do, do you know, know who I'm Bad Baby about? is? Yeah, okay. I, <laughs> I, I think she was sent to like, I, I, you know what? I think they're, they're similar in ways, similar in ways, okay. but not exactly. So basically, there were these boarding schools where parents would send their kids when they don't know what to do with them, which included drug addictions, alcohol addictions, anger. So these schools were not licensed in any sort of therapeutic rehabilitation for this.
1: Oh, great. Off to a great start.
0: Exactly. I didn't know that. When I went to the school, we just thought it was a New England boarding school, as were many. And they would have these things where you, if you would get in trouble, you would get taken out of class and you would be put on a, a work crew, which meant that you would pick weeds out of cracks in the pavement. You would scrub floors with toothbrushes. You would have to wake up at 530 and do a workout. And I remember one of the workouts was that you had to... They called it, it's an awful term, but they called it Christ on a cross and you had to carry two basketballs with your arms held out and run around the basketball court.
1: I'm sorry, what? <laughs> there are so many things I have questions about in the last five seconds. I know, and eventually,
0: I'm sure we could probably get into this more in the future and just kind of do a little maybe break off if we uh, post some stuff on YouTube or something. But yeah, and the people who proctored Jeez. these workouts were students who they considered to be better students than you.
1: So you're you're... Your superiors. I mean, not your superiors, your, your peers. Um, peers, Yes. other troubled kids telling troubled yes. kids what to do in a situation where you're either forcing children to pretend to be Jesus or go through physical labor.
0: What could go wrong? <laughs> well, that's not it. In this workout, the people who were proctoring that specific one were lacrosse players. And if they threw a lacrosse ball at you with their lacrosse stick and hit you, you would have to drop to the ground and do 10 push push-ups. <gasps> and there were other workouts
1: Yeah, and there were other workouts
0: where they would put a trash bin in the middle of the gymnasium when you were running around and you wouldn't stop until someone threw up. There were also, yeah, no, there were also other things where we had to carry logs, like giant tree logs, basically, from one side of a football field to the other. And then the practice would be like, I don't like it here. And then have you move it back. There's actually some videos of it on YouTube that I will, I'll share with you. Not with anyone else, but I'll, I'll send to you eventually.
1: Do you know if these places still exist?
0: Some of them do. There's actually uh, Paris Hilton. If you look up, if anyone wants to know kind of more of what these schools are like, you can look up Paris Hilton. She went to one of these schools that just kind of deals with with kids these way. Mine was shut down to the point where I can't access uh, high school transcripts because it wasn't really a legitimate school. It was a private school. But
1: I'm sorry you went through that.
0: I mean, I definitely built character, you know, not not in the best way to do it, but it did
1: along with with some trauma, I'm sure.
0: Another thing that they did was that they had a thing called Brother's Keeper. So if you smoked a cigarette, and I knew you smoked a cigarette, and I didn't say anything, I would get in just as much trouble as you would. And the way they would get people to talk about that is to put you in a room and lock you in a room with a piece of paper and say, we know what you did, kind of like a police interrogation, until you wrote something down, and they would just call you a liar and all this stuff.
1: This sounds really familiar to what Bad Baby went through. I don't know her real name. I don't either. I don't think it's relevant. Anyway, anyway, this sounds very familiar to like what she... Said she went through.
0: There's been a lot of weird shit that's happened since I've left that school. It was very small. I graduated with a class of twenty. I don't talk to anybody from there anymore. Maybe one person. I think I talked to. People always friend request me on Facebook, and I'm like, deny. <laughs> but I am. Yeah. Right. I am a part of a, a Facebook group that I was invited to. That's like. It's, ridicu- it's called, like, Ridiculous memories, right? And people kind of post their memories of what happened. And it's this crazy stuff. And it talks about all these things of, like, teachers' relationships with students. Because you would have these 25-, 26-year-olds being in relationships at a boarding school with 15-, 16-year-olds. It would talk about just kind of the abuse that happened between faculty and students and things that people went through. Because I was lucky because I played basketball and I wasn't really a bad kid. I... Didn't experience a lot that other people did. And I am grateful for that. But it also hurts so much to see the shit that other people went through. Every year, there's at least two or three people that die since I've graduated from there. You just keep hearing about whether it's not at at the school, school, but the people that I was in school with that have graduated. Um, Okay. so the first few years after when it was in college, it was just tons of overdoses and alcohol and, and all of that and car wrecks. It just it continues every year. You just hear of more people dying. And then okay. as soon as someone passes away, everyone kind of goes back to the group and is like, did you guys hear? And that's kind of how you hear about things is through this group. You would go into groups and talk to people about things, but no one was a licensed therapist. So you were talking to people who had no idea what they were doing. You were just sharing your stories with other students. And if you didn't share enough, they would like shame you for it. Like you have to open up. You have to do this. And I'll say in a weird way, it was great for my family because we were at a really distant point in like our, my relationship with my parents. And, and we found something in it to connect. But it does not work like that for 99% of the people that are there. We just got lucky. And this, yeah, You're and an loved my father because he's just a very lovable guy mm-hmm. that we were treated differently. But yeah, we go back to this Facebook group and we hear about things that happened. And last week I was looking on there and I saw an article about a girl named Mary who went there. I was like, okay, I'll click on this. And read this and I look at it and I kind of a quick glance over and it's about a murder. And I'm like, okay, what the fuck? I'm going to go ahead and read this. Because like I said, we've heard about, I constantly hear about overdoses and suicides and all that, but rarely have I heard about murder that comes up. And I was reading this story and basically she lived with her husband, whose name was Alan Morgan. And she had three kids. I believe one was seven, one was three, seven, two, and one. So one was seven, one was two, and one was one years old. And she was pregnant as well.
1: Oh,
0: Her kids had gone in and out of foster care. And it was towards the end of her pregnancy. Someone in the group had talked about how they had just spoken to her because she didn't think that she could take care of the baby. And they were helping her put the baby up for adoption because it wasn't. A very good home setting and yeah so the kids had been in and out of foster care this kind of dives into something that i'm sure we will talk about in future episodes as well where the foster care system just kind of fails people her two-year-old son was potty training yes and definitely she was about to give birth and drove herself to the hospital so her husband didn't go with her her husband stayed home with the kids and her two-year-old son was potty training And he was having trouble potty training, and her husband decided to beat their two-year-old son to death. (gasps) She didn't know about it. She came home and then left... And then eventually called police and then called police again. And it was just this whole kind of mess of things. And it turns out that he had been removed from the home after CPS had been told about abuse and then was returned to the home, which to me, just it's one of those things that just kind of like it, it kills me. Ugh, yeah,
1: it's so heartbreaking. That poor baby.
0: And she knew about abuse that was going on from her husband. So it hadn't been. This was just kind of the the. I mean, every every way that you go is too far with this. But this is when he when he fully snapped. He got arrested and was sentenced. And this only happened this past October, October like 30th. And he was arrested and he was sentenced to 70 years. And the earliest he'll be able to get out the, with parole, he was given the the chance for parole. Will be able to get out is when he's like 80 years old. Which again isn't enough. You deserve life in prison. And then her trial is coming up in April, I believe. And she's being charged with, because she knew about it and all the stuff that happened, she's being charged as well. Yeah, it just, it hit heavy because if only schools like this did not exist, where people could go and get, pardon my French, fake fucking help and could actually get help that they need, maybe they would be able to to help themselves in the future. So I'm I'm so sorry to tell that one, but I kind of felt like I had to to vent out that little bit of that story. The fact that I even went to a school like that just like creeps me out. And at the time, I I loved it. I loved being away from home. And I did not understand the trauma that it was causing.
1: Well, how can you? You're a child. Yeah. Even now into my 30s, I'm still learning about traumas that happened that I like wrote off as not trauma growing up. Yeah. And now I'm like, oh. This is why I do this. It's because this little thing right here, this seeping nasty wound that I just put a little tiny rainbow re- band aid on. Like that's not working anymore. Yeah. Now I, I see this and I'm working through healing it.
0: Yeah. So that's that. So I am now going to move on to the the stuff that I researched for this week. Okay. So again, unfortunately, two tragedies that we're learning about. But I did want to bring up that story about my school because I know so many people have gone through things similar with schools like that. And as we say in every episode, but there there is help and there are people to reach out to you. And you are definitely not alone in terms of of those things that happened. You are not the only one. And it's sad that it had to happen to anyone. But there there is help. There is 100 percent help, Mm -hmm. whether it's just general mental health addiction, anything like that. There's always help, even if you're
1: not 100 percent sure. And you just think like Mm -hmm. maybe I should see a therapist just to like chat about stuff or, you know, Baseline become a better communicator, set better boundaries, whatever you think you might need, even if it's just someone who to talk to about nothing. Therapist is the best.
0: My my personal belief is that anybody can benefit from therapy. Just to go to someone who doesn't judge you, who just sits there and listens, is just it's, yeah, it is the great experience for your soul.
1: It makes you a more productive fun- not productive, but a better functioning human because it really mm-hmm. does help you. I mean, I'm sure a lot of us—ninety-nine percent of the people on the planet—have not the best inner dialogue when we talk about ourselves. Yeah. Like, would you? Would you talk about your best friend about how you talk about yourself? No, no way.
0: No, <laughs> no way. Absolutely not.
1: Therapy can help that. Yeah, that's a great thing to work through with therapy, and it's just the benefits outweigh any sort of doubts or concerns you might have. It's just once you find the right therapist life-changing literally life-changing
0: yeah and i don't know i'm gonna we're not sponsored by anyone or anything but i don't know if anyone here has heard of betterhelp.com but it's an amazing resource to use where some people don't feel comfortable going and sitting and talking to therapists you can actually just text a therapist and talk to them or or like
1: i know it's you know taboo for new generations to call someone and talk on the phone but yeah I have a friend who does better help, and she just calls her therapist on the phone, and they chat there. No Zoom, nothing like that. Mm -hmm. It really is accessible.
0: All right. Into the next tragedy here. Um, So this week, we are going to be talking about the story of Michelle Martinko. Have you heard of this one? I have not. I did not either until this. And I always feel like every week I've heard about everything. And apparently... I have not. Michelle Martinko was born on October 6th, 1961 in Cedar Rapids, Iowa to Albert and Janet Martinko. At the time, Cedar Rapids was thought to be a very safe place where violence was not something that was seen very often. Just like we've mentioned in previous episodes about places we grew up, if you left your door unlocked, you didn't think twice. You were safe without the lock. You were good to be in your home, your neighbors, no one was going to come in. She grew up with a pretty normal childhood and researching this as well. I didn't find out too much about her early, early life. It kind of Mm -hmm. started with some details of high school. Okay, so she didn't have a lot of friends in high school. A reason that people thought she was maybe on her own a lot was because people were jealous of how absolutely stunning she was. Mm. So if you Google Michelle Martinko.
1: Also, it's totally fine to not have friends in high school. I had like three and it was some of the best years of my life. Oh, she's like Farrah Fawcett, mega babe.
0: She is stunning. And actually, one of the things, it's a little bit down, but I'll say it now. She earned the nickname Farrah because of looking very similar and having her hair very similar to Farrah Fawcett.
1: Oh, she's so stunning.
0: Yeah, she's absolutely
1: gorgeous. She looks very sweet. She's got like little like cherub cheeks, super beautiful blonde hair. Yeah, she's a knockout.
0: She was involved in a lot of extracurricular activities at school, including but not limited to the twirling squad choir and she was also involved in various theater productions. So she was when you think of high school she was that like that gorgeous beauty but who also was with those theater kids and did those things that were not what technically popular kids would be doing. I love it. Yeah. Theater was the best i loved theater i, loved I was theater. never
1: a theater kid but i always found like the theater kids so fun and i took drama one year in high school and it was like I, okay so i'm not a theater kid because i have horrible stage fright <laughs> like i'm going to vomit before i go on stage at any time even mm-hmm. if it's like in front of my family it's horrible stage fright not a limelight kid they just didn't have programs for like backstage operations very much it was like yeah. so limited that they, they typically did like people who were legacies basically like their older brother did it or like they've been doing it for years and like Mm -hmm. middle school and stuff like that but i love drama class it was a lot of fun
0: yeah i i had a complete blast it was a nice way to get out of the shit that was going on the regular high school shit and just have fun
1: for for perspective of who i was in high school we had to prepare a monologue for our drama class and i monologued a section of (laughs) a census fail song Oh, (laughs) so I was like the soccer playing blonde, mildly goth kid who was also like in ceramics and part of like the alternative popular kids, I guess you could say. Like I was never part of the popular club ever.
0: Yeah, that's fantastic. She also had dreams of becoming an interior designer and finishing her education at Iowa State University. But for the time being, she was okay. so I have this written here, but I've I've heard different things. I've heard that she was working at the Westdale Mall but then I've also seen some things where her sister said she had never been there before so some reports oh. say that she had worked there but so I don't really know which one it is but okay. um, the Westdale Mall was an enclosed two-level mall that was on the southwest side of Cedar Rapids that had just opened on October 4th 1979 so it was maybe two months into its opening Which in 1979, malls are a huge thing. It's the gathering place for people to go, for kids to go. I feel like for 30 years, they were the gathering place. I loved the malls. I was so sad when my hometown mall started to close down. Yeah. Like store by store by store, they just started shutting down.
1: My hometown had three malls. One was like the off the beaten path one that had all the normal stores, but no one ever went there. Mm -hmm. So I always like to go there because it's like you don't have to fight people for stuff. Right. Yeah. There was the other one. Where it's like everyone and their mom went there. It was the hangout spot. And then there was the third one that was like the uber wealthy mall that had like we a had one legitimate Nordstrom. Yep. Yeah, like designer brands. So no, obviously I never went there. But it, yeah, we had those three malls. Yeah, I remember going to the mall every weekend.
0: I remember going and sitting outside of Sam Goody waiting for CD releases. Nice. Uh, the last CD release I went to was Britney Spears when she did her Blackout album. We actually went and waited for that album because it was like oh. such a hit. Yeah, Britney Spears, what a wild story. Yeah, that's a that's a, a whole other thing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> On December nineteenth, nineteen seventy nine, the Kennedy Concert Choir was holding a dinner at the Sheridan Inn located in Cedar Rapids. Michelle went. She was decked out in a black dress, a very elegant. She was decked out in a very. Uh, it wasn't elegant. It was sexy. So she was decked out in a black dress and also donned a rabbit fur coat. So, yeah, so she was she was looking spicy. She was looking good. And she was
1: nice and warm.
0: Yes. And it was cold December in Iowa. Mm -hmm. Everyone described her that night as a head turner and basically all the time as a head turner saying there was absolutely especially that coat. Yeah. Yeah. They were saying that there was absolutely no way you could not notice her when she walked into a room, which I completely believe. After the dinner, Michelle invited one of the girls uh, who was a friend of hers on, I believe, the Twirling Squad to go Christmas shopping with her at the mall. Again, being that it was a brand new mall with over 100 stores and it's in its first holiday season. It was a very exciting place to be at the moment. Oh, I bet. She had $180 in her purse, which was a lot of money for Damn. the time. was the one was this? That was in 1979.
1: Today, that would be about $738. She's rich.
0: So $180 or the equivalent of $700 something today in her purse. And she was said to have enjoyed her night shopping, talking to fellow people who worked at the mall, going in and out of many of the stores. She was, towards the end of her time there, talking to one of her friends named Kurt Thomas, who also worked at the mall. With Michelle being pretty much done with her evening, Kurt walked to the exit doors of the mall with her. Michelle tossed on her jacket, smiled at Kurt, and stepped out into the cold parking lot to make her way to the car. That would be the last time that anyone would ever see Michelle Martinko alive.
1: Was her friend still with her or her friend had left?
0: He left her at the door. So she put her coat on at the door, basically kind of like held the door open. She went out into the parking uh, lot to walk to her car and, okay. and that was it. With Michelle not returning home, her father began to worry. He called the police and reported her missing around four AM. Police found Michelle in the family's 1972 Buick Electra outside of JCPenney in the parking lot at the mall. She was in the passenger seat and had been stabbed to death. Police reported that she had been stabbed well over 20 times. I read in one report that it was 29 times that she was stabbed in her chest, neck, and arms. Jeez Louise. She had defensive wounds on her arm, and it was estimated that she had died between 8 and 10 p.m. Okay. Police did notice a lack of blood on the outside of the car and determined that Michelle was killed while being inside of the car so that nothing really happened outside of the car everything happened inside okay they knew that the murder weapon was sharp but they didn't believe it to be a knife oh so the wounds did not look like typical knife wounds but they knew it was a sharp object that she was stabbed with
1: so they're either really small or really big
0: they were also not able to immediately identify what the size of the weapon was
1: oh i take back my last statement i have no idea <laughs>
0: There was just so much trauma kind of going on with with these stabbings that they had. They really had no idea. It was a sharp object. It was able to penetrate a body, puncture, puncture the skin. Um, and that was kind of all they knew. Michelle was fully dressed. And it was also determined that she had not been sexually assaulted. Okay. She also was still found with the $180 that she took with her to the mall. So they ruled out robbery as a motive.
1: So I'm immediately saying it's someone she knew. Because stabbings usually are. They're so intimate. And the yeah, number of times she got stabbed.
0: The number of times she got stabbed, but also being in the confinement of a car like that, you are very close. And for someone yes. to strictly do that within a car and not have any sort of altercation outside of the car, to me, would seem like it was someone she was very close to who mm-hmm. was in the car I'm with trusted her.
1: to get in the car with her. Mm-hmm.
0: Police believed that... Here we go. Police believed that the murder looked very personal But besides that, there was absolutely nothing. There were no fingerprints or any other evidence left by the killer. They think that the killer probably wore gloves. Mm. And that was that.
1: Well, hire me anytime, FBI. I mean, I'm your girl. (laughs) Boom, solved.
0: Right. (laughs) Police initially thought that Kurt Thomas, who was Michelle's friend who walked her to the doors when she went into the parking lot, was responsible for the murder. He was taken to the police station and questioned. At the time of questioning, Kurt had not even known that Michelle was dead. Okay. So the way he found out that she was dead was the police officer. They were playing good cop, bad cop. And the one police officer got very aggressive and said, why'd you kill her? Well, what an idiot. Yeah, that's how we found out that his friend had died. A poor guy. Eventually, they had to let Kurt go. There wasn't anything. (laughs) He didn't do it. There wasn't anything. Uh, Michelle's family was very quick to suspect her ex-boyfriend, Andy Seidel, It was said that Andy had a tough time letting go of the relationship. They'd broken up on not the best terms, and Michelle's brother-in-law stated that they believed it could be a situation where if he couldn't have her, then no one can. Mm, Okay. Which is a very, seems to be a very common thing in in the relationship murders, I guess, in very close relationship murders like that.
1: It's like always the husband or boyfriend.
0: Yeah, in your mind, no one else is going to have you. But again, there was nothing that could be definitively said about that there were several other theories that arose and some of them are very out there they said that she may have been killed by a man who the month before had broken into a cedar rapids home raped a woman at knife point and threatened to kill her children
1: doesn't track the mo but okay
0: no considering there was no sexual assault it was there was no break in you know
1: yeah unless it was her mom that was the victim of that And he's she's a child, but no. okay,
0: absolutely. Next. Nothing really came of the theory. Several months after Michelle was murdered, someone finally came forward with information. There was a woman driving by the mall early on December 20th. She looked into the parking lot to check to see if her daughter's car was there because her daughter worked at the mall. She said there were two cars in the lot and that there was a man standing next to the open driver's side door of one of the cars, Uh which presumably was Michelle's car
1: or his next to it.
0: Or his. Yeah. She didn't think that... I I guess I kind of assumed that the other car was her daughter's that she was going to see. Anyway.
1: That'd be terrifying if it was for the mom. Yeah.
0: Yeah. She didn't think that any of this information was relevant because it was said that Michelle died between 8 and 10 p.m. So she never said anything because at this point it was 2 a.m. The information was finally relayed to the public safety commissioner, but ultimately was never passed on to detectives who were in charge of the case. So they never got that information.
1: Listen, if you were in the vicinity and saw something around the 24 hours around a murder, just just tell police. It's fine. Even if see it's something, not relevant. Say something. See something, yeah. say something. Even if you think you see something or we're just, you know, have any more information that could paint a scene around that time. Just yeah. say it. It's fine. They get literally thousands and thousands of tips. If yours could be the one that tips the seal in the right direction. Congratulations. That's great. Yeah, It's OK. It's OK to call the police.
0: They did eventually find out about it, and the police did think about uh, pressing charges against the safety commissioner, but ultimately they, they did not do that. That makes
1: with sense. The,
0: yeah, with the entrance and parking lot of the mall having absolutely no security cameras, which also makes sense, it's 1979, the uh, yeah. police had nothing, and the case went cold. Oy. As people do when they have no answers, more theories started to come up and stories about what have happened to Michelle. Aliens. <laughs> it was an alien Sorry. abduction. <laughs> They said she was killed because she was involved in a drug ring.
1: Oh, yeah. Okay. She
0: was killed because she was involved in a prostitution ring and she herself was a prostitute. Okay. Um, and here's probably, besides someone being murdered, this is probably the most heartbreaking thing that I read of this. And this is in a video interview, so I had to, I watched it and it just brought me to tears. Michelle's mom would receive prank calls from people pretending to be Michelle, even though she had been killed. And some of them would simply just call her and laugh at her.
1: Why is this kind of thing a thing?
0: I have no like people fucking clue.
1: get better hobbies that don't hurt people like go learn how to crochet or something. I don't care. Just do something other than that other than that with your life. Or if you feel like you need to do something like that, you of all people should go see a therapist and talk about this. because yeah. there is that's so, so fucked up.
0: I also saw in one of the interviews her sister was talking about how um had basically said her mom was her soulmate. Her, her sister's soulmate they were just connected and yeah. when her sister died when michelle died her mom just lost a part of herself and and that was you know it kind of went from there and then and in, in 1998 her mom passed away which was three years after her father passed away so her father passed away in 1995 and neither of them ever understood anything else Had about any what answers. happened to their daughter
1: yeah yeah do you know the um the case of the girl who was driving her dad's Porsche and crashed into a toll booth
0: i don't know
1: So that's that's the story. She was driving her dad's Porsche way too fucking fast and crashed into a toll booth and like had a horrible instant death accident. Mm -hmm. There's a bunch of photos of the crime scene released or not crime scene, but the the accident scene released. And there's one in particular that's very, very graphic. Do not recommend. You don't need to see that for your whole life. Mm -hmm. But people found that and would email it to the parents of the daughter every month for years. I don't fucking get it. What is wrong with you?
0: Oh my God. No, that's, and it happens too often.
1: I don't believe in physical violence, but I would absolutely smack someone if I knew they did that. No, I probably wouldn't, but
0: anyway. <laughs> no, I know what you mean. Mentally, I would smack them. I feel like I hear this in so many things when, missing... when children go missing, that people prank call parents and pretend to be the children and all of this Stop stuff. It's it. just awful. In 2006, so 27 years after Michelle was initially killed, a tip came into the Cedar Rapids Police Department in regards to the case.
1: Oh, that's odd.
0: It is very odd. There was a new cold case investigator working in the unit who investigated the tip, and the tip led to nothing. Okay. Um, But it did prompt him to take a look at some of the more well-preserved evidence that had been sitting on a shelf for years with the case, which included, like, her clothing. Due to the advancements in technology, there was evidence available on Michelle's clothing that had not been tested for DNA. Those items were taken and re-examined. The results finally came back and they had found the killer's DNA on her clothing. Hell yeah, DNA testing. 27 years later. Oh. Detectives now had the ability to rule out many people that may have been involved with the murder of Michelle. So all of these people they had suspect, they can now test their DNA. Those who had been questioned in the past were asked to submit DNA samples, which I think almost everyone they found did. And I believe there's some they probably didn't find. Um, but they went so far as to, they tested Michelle's brother in law. They like tested everybody. Over 60 people were tested and cleared of suspicion, which included Michelle's ex boyfriend, Andy Seidel.
1: Mm. I mean, listen, if I was somehow a suspect, I would 1000% immediately give you my DNA if it meant uh, it was going to clear me. Like, yeah, here you go. Spit in the vial. You no, know, clippings? what do you want? You know.
0: 100%. Yeah, 100%. There was, however, one person who refused to give a DNA sample.
1: Dun, dun, dun.
0: And that was Kurt Thomas, Michelle's friend who'd walked her to the doors at the mall.
1: <gasps> no way. Don't hire me, FBI.
0: <laughs> police believed that they had their killer as soon as Kurt told them he was unwilling. To the point where he said he's not giving his DNA. The police put the phone down and said, we got our killer and told like everybody else in the room while he was still on the phone.
1: Maybe hang up the phone first.
0: No, he heard it. it's in an interview. He talks about it and hearing Ugh. the police say that. Cringe. Kurt hired a lawyer who wrote out a letter and said to them, hey, not giving you this. Get a warrant. Yeah. Which they would, you know, they were going to. So the police had some back and forth with Kurt's lawyer and eventually kind of gave in and Kurt gave them a sample of his DNA. Kurt was not a match. Oh, I'm good. Hire me up. You're good. (laughs) You're back. Welcome back to the team. So it turns out that his wife at the time was a judge, a very well-respected judge. And when they called talking about asking for DNA, his wife was like, they don't just ask you for DNA out of the blue. There's something going on. Don't give them your DNA. Get a lawyer. Mm -hmm. So that's the reason behind doing it when police thought it was something else. But it was more of a learn how to protect yourself kind of thing it's the same it's i mean i feel like it's very similar when my dad said if you ever get pulled over for drunk driving god forbid refuse to do anything on the yeah. spot in front of your car
1: yeah hope hope you sober up by the time they get there yeah just like if you're ever taken into police custody and questioned don't say a fucking word until yeah. you have an attorney there even if you're innocent don't do it
0: yeah and that was basically kurt's thought in it so what they thought was him not giving dna as a confession was really just him not doing it out of protection for himself even though he was innocent that makes sense in 2015 another detective decided to take on the case he thoroughly searched through every report every fingerprint and i believe this detective was like four years old when this happened so he remembered it because he'd heard about it but he was now working on the case
1: that took me a second to process because i was (laughs) picturing a little four-year-old fbi detective (laughs) where were you this night
0: no, but he also. Um, <laughs> so his father was on the force, and had actually written some of the reports that he read about uh, Michelle, Got it. which was kind okay. of interesting as well.
1: That makes a lot more sense. Yeah, at the time of the murder, he at was. At the time for. of the murder, he Not was. Not the time he of the interview. He's yes, for. <laughs> he
0: wasn't just the smartest four-year-old detective ever. <laughs> But yeah, he searched through every report, every fingerprint, every tip that had come in about the case. And then eventually he got in touch with a company called Parabon Nanolabs. And Parabon is a company that's based at Reston, Virginia. And it's quoted by Detective Martin that Parabon Technologies have had an astounding impact on investigations, allowing more than 200 to be resolved in only three and a half years.
1: Hell yeah, Parabon.
0: Through DNA. With the DNA, they were able to produce an image of the suspect who killed Michelle. They were able to figure out skin color, eye color, hair color, and facial structure through just his DNA. After the photo was made, detectives released it to the public. The way that they did it was that you can't determine through DNA what hairstyle someone has. So they did a few different pictures with a few different hairstyles, a little bit of aging, kind of to show what he looked like. Unfortunately, nothing came of the photo. Everybody who called in thought the photo looked like somebody different. So I say it's Johnny. You say it's Jeff. Someone else says it's Danny. Danny. So there was no kind of concrete thing that came of it.
1: Well, DNA is not going to tell you how much they weighed at the time or what their yeah. face shape looked like.
0: Exactly. So that's Apparently kind of it can tell you like facial, facial features because it goes back into, you know, you look at genealogy and stuff and it goes back into where you were from. Oh. So you get some kind of like descriptive features, but it won't tell you exactly what it is. So it was just yeah. very, it was a generic guy. Very yeah. generic. So now we're going to go to 2018. And this was when the world found out that the Golden State Killer was finally caught through DNA Man, technology. Man, what a day that was. That was... I uh, Yeah. Yep. Golden State Killer's DNA was searched through DNA databases and family trees to identify potential suspects, which is known as uh, genetic genealogy. In that case, the Golden State Killer's genetic genealogy had revealed several relatives who were the equivalent of third cousins to the DNA that was found at the crime scene, and it ultimately led to his arrest and conviction. So the detective who was on the case for Michelle thought that this process may be able to be used to finally figure out who killed her. The DNA found in Michelle's clothing was analyzed and produced a partial match to a woman who was living in Washington. Okay. It was determined that she was most likely to be the killer's second cousin once removed. So not as close as the third cousin there. Like, it just very, very far down the tree. So second cousin once removed
1: do you know what once removed means
0: maybe we should look it up
1: i think i know but i want to be sure so i can tell someone what it means
0: is not once once removed is from a, a marriage that had a divorce doesn't it mean you were a cousin and then you were no
1: so once removed means that you're separated by one generation so it like skips generation down mm. so you might have two cousins that are second cousins and then you have a, th- a th- another cousin who's a second cousin but once removed it means that they're like a generation younger
0: so technically, like a third cousin.
1: No, third cousin means there's another uh, familial okay. step in that. It's just all about age. Okay. Okay. So twice removed is like two generations later. So like, I'm not gonna bring Game of Thrones into this, but it, it's generation. Okay. I was about to make a Danny and Jon Snow reference, <laughs> but that's too complicated.
0: There's once removed. I appreciate it. Thank you for educating me. I should have looked that up, but I appreciate it. With this, a family tree was formed. And in order to find out which branch of the tree the killer belonged to, they started testing DNA from people in each branch and then eliminating from there. So they would find someone in one branch, test their DNA. If nothing panned out from that, they knew it wasn't from that branch. They went through kind of two branches, branches of that. And that was after getting all their great grandmothers and all You know, the top of the tree. After the first two branches were ruled out, they tested DNA from someone in the third branch and found out that they were first cousins with the killer. This information now has the suspects down to three brothers from Manchester, Iowa. All of the brothers were put under watch, uh, under surveillance, and attempts were made to try and gather DNA samples. They knew that one of these three people was the killer of Michelle Martinko. Oh, man, that's exciting. Yeah. On October 29th, 2018, an investigator was watching one of the brothers, Jerry Lynn Burns. He was out to eat and was drinking soda through a plastic drinking straw. He eventually got up and threw his drink away. Once he was gone, the investigator went to the trash and grabbed the straw that Burns was drinking with. They ran a DNA test and were able to eliminate two of the brothers from the crime the dna that was on the straw was a 100 percent match to the blood that was found on michelle's clothing the police yeah. finally knew who killed michelle martinko
1: i'm assuming that's legal to do something like that because i'm pretty sure that's how they got the golden state killer too is a tissue from his garbage
0: it is so i believe that it cannot be and i could be wrong with this if so someone can tell me if i'm wrong with this but from what i've read before you can't Go into a person's house and take something. But if you dispose of something in a public receptacle, it's fair game. Uh, And they had actually brought that up in his trial that maybe it wasn't like it would be inadmissible because of they took it without his consent, but he threw it away in a public receptacle.
1: I mean listen, if it's a matron or a murderer, yeah, whatever. But yeah. yeah. Email us if you know the answer of that, murderbersary at gmail.com.
0: Yes, please. So when they looked into Burns, they found out that he regularly looked at photos and videos that showed blonde women being raped, stabbed, strangled, and depicted sexual intercourse with murder victims. Oh. So he was, he was messed up.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to yuck that yum.
0: Yeah, that's going to be a big yuck for me. It's going to be a no for me, dog. On December 19th, 2018, exactly 39 years after Michelle was murdered, Jerry Lynn Burns was arrested and charged with first-degree murder.
1: That's just crazy and awesome, and I'm sad her parents didn't get to see that day. But wow. he initially
0: entered a plea of not guilty. His defense tried to say that there was probably just a mishandling of evidence, and that Burns' DNA got on there by mistake due to secondary transfer
1: on on the cup or on the dead
0: body on the body.
1: Yeah, this r- super random person that does not know her at all,
0: which is absolutely Rayleigh absurd. Got her DNA. Mm-hmm. Okay,
1: mm-hmm. sure. Yeah.
0: On February 24th, 2020, which is just so recently, which is crazy, they found Jerry Lynn Burns guilty of first degree murder and he was sentenced to life in prison without parole.
1: Yay. yay, yay. Clap, 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 clap,
0: I am so glad that they caught him. And this is the only thing that bugs me is this last kind of sentence that I wrote here. Darn it. To this day, it remains unknown the reason why Jerry Lynn Burns killed Michelle Martinko on the night of December 19th in 1979. So he never it's, said why an op- or for what it's reason. It's an
1: opportunistic yeah situation i can guarantee you, if that's the kind of stuff he's looking at at home it was a 100 percent a situation of opportunity that's it, my speculation
0: it is and i would speculate the same thing but there's something so different about hearing someone even if it was speculation just hearing someone say that like this is what i wanted to do or this is what i chose to do i didn't have a reason but he never even said anything and it's just he's a douche yeah wow. yeah so that is uh that is the murder of michelle martinko
1: wild
0: Yeah, and this is, again, this is another one. It was really hard to find information. Yeah. There was a really good A&E special on it that had a lot of the interviews all put together, like, from the past throughout the years. And it was a really good watch. And it's on YouTube if anyone wants to watch it. Um, But then there were just a very few articles on the internet. There weren't even that many podcasts. I maybe found, like, four podcasts that had talked about it before. But yeah, very limited information on it.
1: Yeah, it's interesting how people only want to focus on the heavy hitters. Like, Jeffrey Dahmer, you can know, is every movement in life. Mm -hmm. People like this, it's like, well, you got the murder, and then you got the trial, and that's it.
0: Well, and that's kind of, to me, what was a little bit shocking is that you have, like I said in here, you have the Golden State Killer who was found by genetic genealogy, which is absolutely amazing. And then you have this murderer who was found by genetic genealogy. But who do you hear about, right?
1: Well, I mean, I don't want to be devil's advocate here, but... Golden State Killer also did a crap load of murders and was also the Visalia Ransacker and the East Area Rapist, and he had decades of activity.
0: A million percent. I agree with that. But also...
1: But there's no light shed on this.
0: No. Yeah. No. There's there's a few articles that state, like, this girl helped solve her own murder 39 years later, kind of one of those things, but nothing really that I would think deserves to be said a bit more with kind of the new technology and advances that have come with this dna technology
1: listen if i'm ever murdered i want people to tell me tell the world about who i was prior to my murder and not focus so much on the murder yeah screw the murderer screw the murder i want people to know who i was like i want to be memorialized that way
0: here's here's the real question and this is how we're, this is how we're going to solve everything right off the bat has anyone ever described you as a bright young woman with her whole life ahead of her
1: or like i light up a room when i enter it or <laughs> yeah. i'm the nicest neighbor on the street yep <laughs> signs that i'm either going to be murdered or a murderer
0: uh-huh exactly yeah
1: if i'm if i'm a guy who's like so out like so kind and charismatic that's me i'm a murderer just it's kidding It's so crazy kidding. that those same things
0: like those yeah. same things are always said in situations like that Ugh.
1: so maybe i should just be an asshole for the rest of my life no i don't do that
0: don't don't no I'm, I'm cool i like being nice but i like just
1: sharing my snacks
0: just in case this sees candy in your will for me so just
1: listen what i'll do is i will put in my will that you are to receive $1,000 worth of Sees Candies gift cards from my bank account.
0: Oh, my God. I'm going to have diabetes.
1: No, because then you'll be set for the rest of your life. You don't have to buy it all at once. The
0: rest of my life? Are you kidding me? $1,000? That's a year. year. Sees Candies are expensive, and you have no idea how much I suck through those lollipops. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Maybe you're right.
0: Anyway. Um... <laughs> I want to thank everyone again for, for listening to us, to coming and hanging out with us. I know that this week was a it was a double whammy in many ways. We went in two sort of completely different sides of the spectrum of, of traumatic things going on. Yes. But
1: thank you for being here. You've gotten this far. Thank you. And thank you for everyone who's been leaving reviews. They've been super awesome and surprising. And it's giving, I mean, personally, it's giving me motivation to like keep showing up and telling you guys about these horrible things.
0: Yeah, it's I don't know. I've I've personally I found it fascinating that people are listening to us. I really thought we were going to start a podcast and that it was going to be like, hey, here's my mom and my BFF, Christina, and they're listening. And then here's some views from us because we keep clicking on it. And then like maybe a few other people. I would have been perfectly okay with that. Yes. I just love
1: talking. I love talking about these things and you're fun to talk to and you're not bad. Oh,
0: thanks. (laughs) You're so sweet. Yeah. We appreciate each and every one of you. And if you have anything else nice to say, uh, please go ahead and say it. Apple podcast reviews. They're amazing. Also Spotify reviews. We now have a small number to some huge for us. We now have nine followers on Spotify who actually (gasps) follow the podcast
1: oh i'm we're almost passing my personal followers who are my we're friends just, oh
0: hell yeah <laughs> oh my god we're making it in the world um but yes Next stop merch <laughs> oh my god just kidding i know i love merch let's be honest okay down the line too. down the line but yeah thank you guys so much we appreciate you yeah and if you uh we also have instagram and twitter if you feel like following us the handle is at murderversary feel free to go give us a little little like you like follow on our stuff we're posting there
1: yeah we actually you know read dms there so if you have a question or want to give us feedback we'll listen we'll hear it see it there
0: you can slide
1: right in and lastly we want you to know as always that if you are struggling or feel alone you absolutely are not
0: It happens. It happens to all of us. It happens to me. And we did go through and put some resources on our website. It's www.murderversarypodcast.com. You click on the tab that does say resources. There are some great places there that you can click and go get help. There's always someone there who will listen to you and who is there for you. Please remember, you are not alone.
1: And you have survived 100% of your worst days so far you got a great record so far i know that's a super corny line but i absolutely refer to it all the time
0: mm-hmm. whenever i very think true. i can't
1: can't come back to something very true so
0: but yeah, thank you for hanging out we, we love you all right until until next time we will uh we'll see you next year <laughs> see you
1: next year Bye. i'm so proud <laughs> of you bye <laughs>